Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I'm drinking a daiquiri. What are you having, Jenny? I'm drinking a strawberry. And today we'll follow up from last week's episode about the death of Biggie Smalls with the murder of Tupac Shakur. Tupac Shakur was born Lysane Parrish Crooks on June 16, 1971 in Harlem, New York. He was raised by a single mother and his family moved often. After joining the Black Panther Party, his mother changed his first name to Tupac Amaru, a Peruvian revolutionary who was killed by the Spanish. Tupac later took his surname from his sister Sakia's father, another Black Panther member named Matulu Shakur. Tupac's own father was not in his life from the age of five until he was 23 years old. Tupac attended the prestigious Baltimore School for the Arts as a teenager and studied poetry, theater, ballet, and literature. In 1998, his mother sent him to live with a family friend in the Bay Area to escape gang violence in Baltimore. There, Tupac began selling crack and his mother unfortunately became addicted. His music career began in 1990 when he joined the rap group Digital Underground and signed a solo record deal in 1991 with Interscope Records. His debut album, Tupacalypse Now, sparked a political firestorm, and even former Vice President Dan Quayle commented on the anti-police lyrics. He released four platinum albums during his life and seven posthumously. Tupac was known for his socially conscious lyrics that touched on topics including police brutality, gang violence, single motherhood, and racism. On November 30, 1994, Tupac Shakur was shot and seriously wounded during a robbery committed by two armed men in the lobby of a midtown Manhattan office building at House Recording Studio where he'd been working on his third album, Me Against the World. As we said in our last episode, Tupac blamed the shooting on Sean Puff Daddy Combs and the notorious B.I.G., thus escalating the East Coast-West Coast rap rivalry. Tupac and Biggie had once been friends, but the rappers began dissing each other in songs, interviews, and at events. In one song called Hit Em Up, Shakur bragged about having sex with Notorious B.I.G.'s wife and vowed to kill him. His album, Me Against the World, was released while Tupac was incarcerated in 1995 for sexually abusing a female fan, and the album went to number one on the Billboard 200 chart. Tupac maintained that he had not raped the girl, although he confessed to the Vibe magazine journalist Kevin Powell that he could have prevented others who were present in the suite at the time from doing so. While in prison, he was visited by Marion Suge Knight, the founder of Death Row Records. Knight offered to post the $1.3 million bail Tupac needed to be released pending his appeal. The condition was that Tupac sign onto Death Row Records. Tupac signed and he was released in October 1995. Tupac's debut on Death Row was All Eyes on Me, which was released in February of 1996. Within two months of its release, All Eyes on Me had been certified five times double platinum and made Tupac a mainstream musician. It would eventually become Diamond Certified, and this album featured Tupac's most popular song, California Love, and the single How Do You Want It. In addition to his successful music career, Tupac acted in several films, including Poetic Justice alongside Janet Jackson. On the night of September 7, 1996, Tupac, who was still on bond, traveled to Las Vegas, Nevada for a Mike Tyson boxing match. Tupac arrived around 8.30 p.m. accompanied by armed bodyguards from the Ma Piru Bloods, a Compton Street gang whose members worked for Knight's Death Row Records. 
Shakur and Knight sat in the front row, smoking cigars, signing autographs, and waving to fans. After the match, Tupac and his entourage were captured on camera at the MGM Grand Hotel engaging in a brief yet violent altercation with the man later identified as 21-year-old Orlando Baby Lane Anderson, who was a member of the Southside Crips street gang. Eyewitnesses recall Tupac asking Anderson, quote, you from the South, end quote, before quickly punching him in the face. Anderson had recently helped his gang beat and rob one of Shakur's bodyguards at a mall in Lakewood. After the beating of Shakur's bodyguard, Anderson ripped a rare death row medallion from the man's neck, an affront to Knight's honor and a slight to the bloods. The entourage then walked down a half block to the strip to the Luxor Hotel, where death row records have booked more than a dozen rooms. After dropping off Tupac and the bodyguards, Suge Knight drove about 15 minutes to a mansion he owned in a gated community in the city's southeastern valley. Hours later, Tupac was riding as a passenger in a car driven by Suge Knight. They were followed by four other death row cars, all going to Club 662. Fans lined the streets, waving, snapping photos, begging Tupac for his autograph, and cops were everywhere. A white Cadillac pulled up alongside the pair at a stoplight on Flamingo Road and opened fire. At least 12 shots were fired, four of which struck Tupac in the hand, chest, and pelvis, and one of which grazed the head of night. Rapper EDI Neen, who was driving behind Tupac, said, quote, I saw a gun come from the back seat out through the driver's front window. It all happened so quick. It took three or four seconds at most, end quote. Suge Knight said, quote, we heard shots and looked to the right of us. Tupac was trying to get in the back seat, and I grabbed him and pulled him down. The gunshots kept coming, end quote. The white Cadillac sped away, and a bodyguard near the back of the death row caravan fired at the fleeing sedan. Las Vegas police were soon at the scene. After calling an ambulance for Tupac, they ordered everyone else in the death row convoy out of their cars at gunpoint, believing that they were the criminals rather than the victim. The police forced Knight, who was bleeding from a head wound, to lie face down on the pavement. Emergency surgery at University Medical Center saved Tupac's life that night, and in the days following, doctors announced that his chances of recovery had improved. However, on September 13, 1996, with his mother by his side, Tupac Shakur died from his injuries. He was just 25 years old. Two days after Shakur was shot, gang warfare erupted in Compton, California, as the blood sought revenge on the Crips. A wave of drive-by shootings left three people dead and 12 injured, including a 10-year-old girl. Informants had told police that Anderson had been brandishing a Glock pistol in the days following the shooting. Tupac's body was cremated, and members of his old band, Outlaws, made claims that they had smoked some of his ashes in honor of him. His mother announced she would scatter her son's ashes in Soweto, South Africa, the quote-unquote birthplace of his ancestors, on the 10th anniversary of his murder, but instead she scattered them on his 26th birthday. As we discussed last week, Biggie Smalls was killed in a drive-by shooting on March 9, 1997. Neither his nor Tupac's murders have ever been solved. Las Vegas cops told LAPD detective Russell Poole 
who investigated Biggie's murder, that, quote, the main reason they would never solve Tupac's case is that the politicians didn't want them to. They said the powers that be had let them know the city did not need an OJ-style circus, end quote. Because of statements like this from the police, many theories have risen around who killed Tupac and what their motivation was. The most popular theory is that the Southside Crips were responsible for Tupac's murder alongside Biggie Smalls and Sean Puffy Combs. In 2009, the LAPD obtained a confession from Orlando Anderson's uncle, Dwayne Keith Davis, also known as Keith D. Davis, who had been diagnosed with cancer, has spoken more publicly since the shooting due to his illness granting him immunity from prosecution. He said, quote, I can't tell you anything about Biggie. That wasn't us, but I can certainly tell you what happened with Tupac because that was us and I was there and I participated in it, end quote. He said that he gave Orlando Anderson the gun and Anderson pulled the trigger. He has also made similar claims in a 2018 BET docuseries. Orlando Anderson was later shot and killed in Compton, California in 1998, making the accused shooter not prosecutable. According to police affidavits, after the fight at the MGM Grand, Anderson called his girlfriend, phoned his comrades, and set up a meeting at the Treasure Island Hotel, which was kind of a meeting space for his gang. The Crips discussed their retaliation and decided to shoot Shakur after his performance at Club 662. The plan was to station two vehicles of armed Crips outside the night spot and lie in waiting. They also decided to reach out to Biggie Smalls to pay for the hit. The gang had been paid to provide security for Biggie at casinos in Las Vegas and clubs in Hollywood and award shows in LA. He had previously prodded the gang to kill Shakur and promised to pay them handsomely for the hit. According to people who were present, the Crips paid a visit to Biggie, who happened to be in Las Vegas at the same time as Tupac, and explained that the gang was prepared to kill Shakur, but expected to collect $1 million for its efforts. Biggie agreed on one condition, and he then pulled out a loaded 40 caliber Glock pistol and placed it on the table in front of him. He didn't just want Tupac dead, he wanted the satisfaction of knowing that the fatal bullet came from his own gun. After the shooting, the Crips returned to their hotel, packed their belongings, and returned to California. Anderson was interviewed by Las Vegas police just once. They said they could not build a case against him as Shakur's killer because witnesses and the rapper's entourage refused to cooperate with them. None of the other Crips involved were ever interviewed by the police. And Keith D claims that Puffy said he wanted Suge Knight and Tupac dead and that he had offered the $1 million hit. Of course, Puffy denies these claims and the allegation that Biggie used Crips as security, calling it all quote-unquote fiction. Both Biggie and Orlando Anderson denied any involvement in Tupac's death. However, evidence gathered by the New York Times supports this theory and police affidavits. Another popular theory is that Suge Knight was responsible for Tupac and put a hit out on him. Knight who, again, was the founder of Shakur's record label, arranged the killing so he could exploit the rapper's martyrdom commercially. That's another aspect of the theory. Shortly before his death, Tupac had argued with Suge over unpaid royalties, and it wasn't just a few thousand dollars, it was apparently millions of dollars that he had not been paid. Tupac had also fired death row lawyer David Kenner, and he had planned to leave the death row label. So all motivation for Suge. 
and people believe that Suge Knight had conspired with Orlando Anderson to, again, put this hit out. And Detective Poole, who investigated Biggie's murder and wrote a book about the these cases, believes this theory to be true. There's also some other theories that are a little strange, but there's a lot of speculation around this case, so we just wanted to mention them. One theory is that Snoop Dogg's cousin, Lil Half Dead, was mad at Tupac because he allegedly stole a hit song, Brenda's Got a Baby, and that Lil Half Dead had helped Suge's wife and Death Row's head of security try to kill Suge Knight and take over the company, but while they were trying to kill Suge Knight, they missed and hit Tupac instead, killing him. Uh, I don't know many details of this. I've just heard that this is a theory that's out there. And there's another theory out there that the FBI did not want Tupac starting a black revolution. So they essentially murdered him. So Dell, with all these theories in mind, who do you think is responsible for the murder of Tupac? So I think this case is pretty cut and dry that it was Orlando Anderson that killed Tupac. I think that this unsolved murder is only unsolved because you cannot prosecute a dead man. And because you can't do that technically is unsolved, even though all of the evidence points to Orlando Anderson killing Tupac because Tupac disrespected him when he assaulted him in the casino. I don't believe that Biggie or Diddy or Suge Knight had anything to do with it. I think that that was added after the fact to drum up the story a bit more, especially when you consider Biggie's death. Trying to link the two, you link the other characters in the story. But it turns out that these two cases, although they're always talked about together and we are talking about them together, it seems that their deaths aren't as connected as we once thought they were. What are your thoughts? I thought that there would be some more mystery in this case, but like you said, I think it's very straightforward. It's pretty obvious to me that Orlando Anderson and members of the Southside Crips were responsible for murdering Tupac, and it's pretty clear, again, that it was some type of retaliation. I didn't know that there was so much, um, I guess, gang involvement and affiliation with Death Row Records, but it seems like this had really been brewing for a while uh so it it really makes sense to me and it seems like there's a lot of police evidence and again like you said i don't think anything is really happening with it because orlando anderson is dead but i wish that we could just say case closed because it seems like it's a case closed in my opinion i can't say for sure if biggie or puffy put the hit out but i wouldn't really be surprised it is kind of weird reading like the police statements from people about Biggie, he was like conveniently in the same city at the same time as Tupac and the retaliation and he had been like poking at the gang to go ahead and murder him. I don't know, it all seems like a little convenient, but at the same time, I feel like I wouldn't be surprised, especially since we've both agreed that Suge Knight was involved in Biggie's death. So if Biggie had been involved in Tupac's death, it seems like a again, pretty obvious retaliation, in my opinion. Um, But I do think it is really interesting that people have so many other crazy theories when really just seems like it was Orlando Anderson that did this. And I was 
doing my research and I found this quote from Jesse Washington that is Tupac chose to live and die by the rules of thug life. Our inability to face the fact is a symptom of our inability to help out our most troubled young black men. And I think that's really interesting. And we always talk about this with celebrities, but we never want to think of like people just dying in a simple way. We have to make this whole story about how they died. And there definitely is a whole story about how Tupac died, but it is a lot simpler than I think most people would think it is. Both Tupac and Biggie's deaths are some of the most popular unsolved celebrity deaths and murders. We've talked about several other celebrity deaths on this podcast, but unfortunately, the ones we've talked about are not the only unsolved or mysterious celebrity deaths. One of Hollywood's first scandals was the death of Virginia Rapay. In 1921, American silent film actress Virginia Rapay died of internal injuries following a ruckus party in a hotel suite at the St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco. Liquor was being served despite the fact that it was during Prohibition. And during the party, Rapay and actor Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle, who was a huge star at the time, went into a bedroom together. And a witness said that Virginia's screams were heard. When other guests entered the room, Rapay was fully dressed, writhing in pain on the bed. She had reportedly said, quote, he did this to me, end quote. According to her friend, who may not have been a reliable witness. Rapay, who suffered from recurrent bladder infections, died three days later because of a ruptured bladder. Arbuckle was charged with her murder and tried three separate times. The first two trials ended in a hung jury, and the final ended in an acquittal for him. But public opinion never acquitted Arbuckle, and his career was destroyed. And he died at the age of 46 from a heart attack. And I have since heard that he was set up. I don't know all of the details of that, but I would be interested to learn more. I think there's just something really creepy about like old Hollywood murders. And another notorious old Hollywood death is Thelma Todd. Todd was a 29-year-old actress who was found dead in December 1935 in the garage of her lover and business partner's car, slumped over the steering wheel of her own car. The engine wasn't running, and Todd's throat showed signs of trauma as if something like a hose or pipe had been forced into her mouth by an assailant. Her death was deemed to be either a suicide or an accidental death from carbon monoxide poisoning. Suspects included her ex-husband, her current lover, and the gangster Lucky Luciano. In the weeks prior to her death, she had received several notes demanding she pay $10,000 or be killed, and this is according to the LA Times. Finally, a grand jury ruled that there wasn't enough evidence for her death to be a homicide, but many fans and true crime fanatics are still skeptical to this day. So our next celebrity death is that of Bob Crane. Bob Crane was the star of the 1960s sitcom Hogan's Hero, and he was found brutally murdered in his Scottsdale, Arizona apartment in 1978. His death came as a shock, as did the subsequent sordid revelations about his life, including his apparent sex addiction. Many still believe Crane was killed by his longtime friend, John Henry Carpenter, but the evidence was insufficient for a jury to convict Carpenter in the 1994 trial. 
because Carpenter was always the only suspect and he died in 1998, Crane's death will most likely never be solved. At the time of his death, Crane was attempting to cut Carpenter out of his life. Carpenter was angered by this and the two got into an argument on the night of Crane's death that was witnessed by several people. Blood was found in Carpenter's rental car and there was no forced entry into Crane's home. The last mysterious celebrity death we're going to look at is that of Jill Dando. British journalist Jill Dando was killed by a single gunshot wound to the head on April 26, 1999. A convicted sex offender, Barry George, was tried for Dando's murder, but acquitted because of the forensic evidence used against him was discredited. Other theories include a political assassination, a gangland hit, and an obsessive stalker. Her death may well be the UK's most famous unsolved murder. Stella, are there any other mysterious or unsolved celebrity deaths you'd like more information on or that you would like to see solved in your lifetime? I think my top two are Bruce Lee and William Desmond Taylor. For Bruce Lee, it is kind of weird how they're saying that he died. It was a muscle relaxant that he had been given. They say he just went to sleep and he died. But others are saying that possibly there is a family curse and that he was murdered. And then 20 years later, the curse returned when his son was murdered on the set of The Crow. I definitely would like to have more information on Bruce and his son's deaths, whether they were accidents or not. I definitely think there's a lot of mysterious circumstances surrounding their deaths. For William Desmond Taylor, it's just the fact that he was in this apartment building. No one knows what was going on. All they know is that this mysterious man was smoking outside of his apartment. And then his chauffeur comes the next morning and he's dead. And then this is another old Hollywood unsolved murder. But you had the studio executives going into his apartment and removing evidence. What the hell? Like, I want to know all of what they removed. I want to know who killed him and why. And one of the weirdest things is they think that it was someone really close to him because the way he was shot, it looked like he was going in for a hug on the person. And so definitely if you're hugging someone, you're really close to them. So those are my top two. What are yours? I definitely agree about William Desmond Taylor. I first heard about his story and Thelma Todd's on the BuzzFeed Unsolved series, and I thought it was so fascinating. And I don't know what it is. I know I said this a few minutes ago, but there is just something so scary about like old timey murders. I guess it's because people really got away with a lot of stuff back then just because of lack of technology. But the studio system was so terrible to their actors and this is just another example of that um i didn't know about a theory of a family curse on the lee family that's really interesting too i know you would like to talk about this on a full episode but Brittany murphy's death i would just like a little more information on because it seems really straightforward and then when you start looking at some details like the fact that she had like a really high level of arsenic in her blood and so did her husband what was that from? What was going on with that? 
Her husband and his relationship with Brittany's mother is also very strange. So I just want to hear some more. I would like to have that like reopened and examined properly because I don't really think it was. On to more celebrity deaths. Um, many people think Tupac is still alive. Del and I love talking about celebrities. So whether it's a mysterious celebrity death or a faked celebrity death, we're here to talk about it. And many people think Tupac is still alive nearly 25 years after his murder. And people felt that Tupac just wanted to get away from the public eye and live a private life. And this theory is so popular that it was parodied on The Chappelle Show too, which I love that skit. And people think this because on his album, Life Goes On, Tupac rapped about his funeral and his song, I Ain't Mad At Ya, was released two days after he had died. There have also been reports of potential Tupac sightings since his death, including a 2012 sighting by Kim Kardashian. And in 2017, Suge Knight hinted that Tupac might be alive in an interview. He said, quote, when I left that hospital, me and Pac was laughing and joking. I don't see how someone can go from doing well to doing bad. He added that with Pac, you never know if he could be alive and living in somewhere in secret. And a personal favorite celebrity faked death of mine is Jim Morrison. He was the lead singer of The Doors, and he died in July 1971 in Paris from congestive heart failure. And I don't know how many to this day still believe it, but a lot of people thought that he faked his death. And the circumstances of his death are kind of weird. So his girlfriend, Pamela Corson, initially insisted to Jim's manager that he was alive. And his death wasn't announced, I guess, to the public until six days after he had been found dead. And he was found dead by his girlfriend uh, in a Paris hotel. They had uh, been doing drugs together, and I think he was starting to overdose. So she put him in a bathtub, and then when she came back, he had died in the bathtub. There was no autopsy performed after his death, which, again, just leads to the mystery. But as we talked about in the Princess Diana case episode, in France, they don't really need to do an autopsy depending on the circumstances of the death. And Jim had actually talked about faking his death, joking about it, and his bandmate Ray Manzarek had said that he wouldn't be surprised if Jim turned up somewhere. And again, I guess like with every celebrity death sighting, there were sightings of him in New York City and around the world. And of course, we cannot talk about fake celebrity deaths without talking about Elvis. Many people believe that the king of rock and roll Elvis Presley is still alive. The theory that he did not die and instead went into hiding was popularized by Gail Brewer and other authors. The most used evidence are sightings of Elvis in various locations. The earliest known alleged sighting was at the Memphis International Airport, where a man resembling Presley gave the name, quote-unquote, John Burroughs, which was the same name Presley used when booking hotels. A series of alleged sightings took place in Michigan in the late 1980s. In California, many people believe they have seen Presley at California's Legoland Amusement Park shortly after it opened in 1999. It was later revealed that Elvis impersonators were hired as an attraction to commemorate the famous singer. Presley was rumored to have appeared in the background of an airport scene in the 1990s film Home Alone. 
It was also alleged that a bearded man wearing a turtleneck and a sports jacket could be seen over the left shoulder of Catherine O'Hara's character while she is arguing with an airline employee. Del, what do you think of all these celebrity death rumors? I think they are so fun. I tend not to believe them because of all the people that would have to be involved in not only helping to fake the death, but getting the person to other locations to continuing to keep the secret. It's just hard to believe, especially when you consider that they would have had to keep this up for almost 50 years. I just don't believe that people are that good at keeping secrets, especially a secret as big as someone is not actually dead. What do you think? I feel pretty much the same way. It makes me laugh, but also like it makes me kind of roll my eyes at the same time. I love that people think that Elvis was just like walking around Legoland too. Like what would he be doing there? And I'm assuming if there's Elvis impersonators, was it him dressed in those like jumpsuits? So they really think that like if Elvis had hid his death for like 20 years at that point, he was really just going to go to Legoland dressed in like what he would wear to show. I don't know. It's definitely silly to me. There's so many other celebrity deaths that we didn't talk about too, but I think it's really ridiculous that people just think like, oh my God, that person looks like them. It has to be Elvis. It has to be Michael Jackson. It has to be Kurt Cobain. It's so silly, but it is fun. And I I understand why people want to keep like the memory of someone alive. It definitely doesn't sound like Tupac faked his death. It sounds like many people witnessed him get shot and I mean, I guess you could argue that his mom maybe scattered someone else's ashes, but it seems like we've got pretty definitive evidence in that case. That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and let us know in the comments who you think was behind Tupac's death. You can read more about this case and how to support us in the links below. We will be back next week with a brand new episode focused on a well-known international abduction case. As always, stay safe. Thank you.